All right, good morning, everyone. So let's, Emir Hashem, today we're going to conclude the Naharos of the Rivers in Parak Shira. So just to reorient ourselves a little bit. So we were focusing on the idea that in this particular section of Parak Shira, so the author is conveying a level of simcha. Naharos, Naharos Omrim, Naharos Simcha Uchaf, Yachad Harim Yiranenu. So we're focusing again, not really on the Harim, because the Harim, the mountains, will actually focus on separately. But rather, we are focusing on the rivers. The rivers will clap their hands. So remember, again, we saw the Mepharshim explained the rivers are clapping their hands because they are besimcha. So we're trying to figure out, first we're trying to figure out what is the nature of the simcha of the Harim. So we saw two opinions so far, right? What are the two opinions so far? Either, number one, when Mashiach comes, good, a reference to Messianic celebration, or possibility number two, is that it's not the harem at all, but rather, again, who's celebrating? The people who are traveling the rivers. Okay, but then th- we kind of use that as a springboard to a much larger and broader conversation about the definition of simcha in general. What, what is the concept of simcha? Where, wh- what is the Jewish definition of what we'll call, I and mean, we'll translate it as happiness, but I think as we're beginning to see already, simcha and happiness may not necessarily be the same thing. Happiness, happiness often describes an emotional state of joy. But simcha may be something a little bit different as we've begun to see. So we started the piece by Rabbi Nachman. And Rabbi Nachman was speaking about the idea of being, I think we spent a significant amount of time on this, about being dan lekafschos. And the Rebbe's unique interpretation of being dan lekafschos, of finding something positive in the individual. In other words, I see someone is doing something wrong. I recognize it's wrong. There's really no way, there's, there's no other way to explain what they're doing. So it's unequivocally clear that it's wrong. But nevertheless, I don't allow the totality of the judgment of that individual to be defined by what they've done wrong. But rather, again, I find something positive in that individual as well. So kind of going along with this concept, take a look at paragraph base. So the Rebbe continues and he says as follows. So the Rebbe says, now, I'm sorry, so before, actually before we get into that, go back to Allah for just a moment. So Rabbi Nachman, the first part I told you was all from Reish Nun Beis, all this same Memra and the Kute Moharan. After, after the part about talking or thinking about others, the Rebbe shifts his focus to the focus or shifts the focus to the self. How does a person view themselves? So the Rebbe writes in 6 Aleph, the same applies to how a person views themselves. A person has to go ahead and perpetually try to remain in a state of simcha, to remain in a state of joy. We discussed this last time. Then Rabbi Nachman's worldview, so hate is not the greatest threat to man. Instead, the greatest, the greatest threat to man is atzvos, is sadness. When a person allows themselves to be lost in the throes of despair, in the throes of atzvos, that's ultimately, again, when a person suffers a downward spiral of negativity. And we know this. Generally, when you feel sad, when you feel depressed, when you feel down specifically about yourself, you don't normally feel all that encouraged to engage in positive dynamic growth. So the Rebbe goes on, he says, Biaf, Kishema, so how, how, do you, how do you counter that, right? So how do, how do you deal with that reality when you feel sad about yourself, when you feel sad about your missteps? So Rabbi Nachman would say, what applies to the other applies to me as well. So let's take a step back. 
What do I do when I see someone doing something wrong? What's my approach to that? Find something good in the individual. Right? I see someone doing something wrong, unequivocally wrong. Find something good. The Rebbe says it's the same model for how you deal with personalistic failure as well. When I know that I failed, when I know that I've done something wrong. So there are two choices. Choice number one is, you know, Yenachman's model, choice number one is, what would you say? I'm, look at yourself as a failure, or even in one word, atzvos, right? Atzvos, sadness. Allow myself to get lost in the sadness, which again is effectively looking at yourself as a failure, defining yourself by this one event, or I can look at myself in totality. And I can say, yes, I've done something wrong and maybe I've done something terribly wrong and I have to try to fix it and I have to try to address it. But this one failure does not mean that I am a failure. This one failure means that I am still a person who has much good, much good, but has failed in a particular area and needs to address that failure. I want to be clear. Rabbi Nachman is never suggesting that, yeah, just look at the whole picture. And since you're mostly good, don't worry about the failure. I always have to, I always have to address my failures. But the Rebbe is saying, don't judge yourself based on that one failure. Try to look at yourself in totality. Now, the Rebbe says something amazing. He says, in paragraph Aleph, second line in, end of the second line. So now Rabbi Nachman describes something that is incredibly scary. What happens if a person looks inside themselves and can't find any good? Can't find any good. I introspect, I do my cheshbon nefesh, I look inside, but I can't find any good. So what, what, what should I do? The Rabbi says, and again, all I see are my sins. All I see are my chatoim. And the baldover, the baldover is reference to the satan. The satan is trying to drown me in an ocean of self-pity and sadness. He goes on, it's afapikein, asr lo lipol mizeh. Rak tzarech lechapis velimtso ba'atzmo ezo ma'atotov. The rabbi says, just work harder. Work harder to what? Work harder to find something good inside of yourself. In other words, from the perspective of Rabbi Nachman, right? What does Rabbi Nachman hold to be an eternal truth? Based on his words, what does he hold to be an eternal truth? Everyone has good. Everyone has good inside of them. And this is such, it's such an incredibly important yisod. Every person has good inside of them. So the Rabbi says, you mess up in life, you have a choice. Fall into the abyss of sadness or find something good inside of yourself. Ah, you look, I can't find anything good. Look harder. Yes. Right, beautiful. It's a machlokis, Rabbi Akiva and Ben Azai. He says, Talmud. Yeah, beautiful, beautiful. This is an excellent point because we're going to talk a little bit about this. That So what happens if I look and I look and I look and I can't find something good? So excellent. So you have the opinion of Ben Azai and Ben Azai holds that, again, even if you can't find any good thing that you've done, by definition, we each possess an innate good, an innate good, because we are created with Salam Alokim. Excellent. I'll tell you something even more dramatic than that. There is a, the, the, we know the Mishnah Perkyavas. The Mishnah says... 
Right, you have to be a student of Aaron Cohen. Oyev Esabrios, right? Umakarvan Latora. Oy, I'm sorry. Oyev Shalom, Rodev Shalom. Right, love peace, pursue peace. Oyev Esabrios, Umakarvan Latora. Love people and bring them back to Torah. So it's interesting. Remember, this is a statement of Hillel. So it's interesting to note that Hillel gives us a mitzvah to love people. Now, why is this intriguing? Because remember, again, even when it comes to Kamocha, how do Chazal understand that mitzvah? Does it mean I have to love people? How do Chazal translate? How do they understand it? Right? Whatever you don't want done unto you, don't do unto others. Why do Chazal reinterpret it that way? What do you think? Right, because some people aren't lovable. I mean, that's just, that's just the reality. I mean, tell me that I have to love every person. It, it's very, first of all, again, in general, we've spoken about this before. Love is an emotion. You can't really mandate emotions. And if you can't mandate a love for God, you certainly can't mandate a love for another human being. So that's a Chazal truth to reinterpret it. It's interesting to see that Hillel, however, when he interprets this idea of having mitamid of shal aron, sabrios, love people. So the Balatanya comes, listen to this incredible Yisod. The Balatanya says, why does the Mishnah, why does Hillel use the word brios? Brios means what? Literally, creations. Bria is the most nondescript word you could use for a human being, right? You could use Adam. You could use Anoshim, you could use Enosh, which is a form of Anoshim, there are, the Ben Adam. There, there, there are different words to use for that. Brios is the most generic term you could use for people. So the Balatanya, Rosh Zaman of the Adi, says something absolutely amazing. This is incredible. He says, You know how you love someone? Is find something positive, kind of like Rabbi Nachman is saying. And for some people, the only Maila that you'll be able to find for them is that they walk on two legs instead of four. Some people, that's the only thing, that's the only Milo that you could see. Okay, you're, you're not a cow. You're not a cow. You're not a dog, right? You're not an animal. You walk on two legs. You always have to look for something positive. So it's true. You can look for something positive. A person is telling me, it says, even if the only positive thing you could see in a person is, well, at least you're not a cow. At least you're not an animal. You walk on two legs and not four. At least that is something positive. So the Yisod, this is the Yisod that the Rebbe is highlighting over here. What's true for the other applies to me as well. And this is incredibly important because so many people walk around in life with such a, a, a poor sense of self and such a diminished sense of self. And although they don't articulate it, they really think very low of themselves. And the reason for that is because I know my Averis. I know what I've done, and I know that I've done a lot of stuff wrong, so of course I'm going to think poorly of myself, which the Rebbe says, okay, you have to address that which you've done wrong, but did you ever take stock of that which you're doing right? What about the good that you possess within yourself? Focus on that. Now remember again, I, I can't say enough, is Rabbi Nachman telling me to ignore my Averos? Chas v'shalom. I have to do, have to do whatever I have to do. So why is he telling me to focus on the positive? Why? First of all, it's the natural, it's for whatever the reason. It's just the natural tendency of people to be drawn to the negative. In others and in ourselves. But why else do we have to focus on the positive? Why? Success breeds success. Success breeds success. Excellent. 
Excellent. Beautiful. Because again, if at the end of the day, if I feel like a nothing, this is what, this is what the Rebbe is driving at. If I feel like a nothing and I feel like a failure and I feel the only thing that really I know about me is Avera, is Chet, then by definition, that's what the Rebbe says, a person will fall into sadness, a person will fall into despair, a person gives up. If all I am is one big Chet, then by definition, there's no hope for me. But if I could find good inside myself, that reminds me I have the capacity for good, the ability for good, and that gives me the necessary chizik and inspiration to now rebuild. I have what to rebuild on and what to rebuild with because I possess good. Take a look at paragraph base. We're not going to do all this. The Rebbe goes on, he says, So let's say now I find something positive. I commit Navera. I don't want to fall into the trap of thinking of myself as a terrible negative person. So instead, I'm going to focus on something good. I'm going to focus on something good. And now, now what happens? I identify that good. I, I, I helped an old lady cross the street the other day. Great. Now I found something good that is my, that is my focus. So the Rebbe says, now listen to this. Something interesting happens. You, you know, I, I just mentioned this in a, in a different share I was giving. That, you know, it is so much easier in life not to think about things. Right? If you don't think about things, life is so much easier. And the truth is, people who don't think at least appear to be much happier. I don't know if they're actually happier, but they appear to be happier. Because once you begin to think about things, you realize how incredibly complicated everything is. For example, the rabbi says, now I find something positive. I find something positive in myself. So now what happens? But now I look at that mitzvah. I found that I did a particular, I did mitzvah A. Well, now I look at the mitzvah. Did I do the mitzvah bihidura? Did I do it the right way? Did I do it with kavana? Did I do it with zrizos? Did I do it in the way I was supposed to? Now, finally, I was able to look past my shortcomings and find something good. But now, even when I look at that good thing, the rabbi says, it's filled with blemishes. It's such an imperfect act. It's such a blemished thing. He says, I'm in paragraph base, third line in. I'll call that. So the Rebbe says, you're right, you're right. If you do an inventory of your mitzvahs, are your mitzvahs perfect? I would venture to say most of us probably don't even possess one perfect mitzvah. Chances are, because a perfect mitzvah, a perfect mitzvah, a mitzvah done exactly as the, the, the mechanics are right, the kavanas are right, no distractions, pure... I don't know. I don't know if most people have a mitzvah like that. But the rabbi says, it doesn't matter. You don't need, obviously I should aspire for that. But I don't need a mitzvah like that to accomplish what I'm trying to accomplish over here. All I need to find within myself is some level of good. Because what I need to do is resist the temptation to define myself by my averis. To resist the temptation to define myself ultimately by the negativity or by the bad things that I have done. And in order to... Res- yes. Sorry, you could, I mean, you don't have to finish what you were saying. No, go right ahead. Go right ahead. Um, I feel like we hear so many times, like, like to push ourselves to do the mitzvah in its, in its, like, in its completeness because the mouth that it creates is going to be missing an arm or it's going to be missing a nose or it's going to... Right, we want to have that complete mitzvah with us. 
And here we're saying like, no, 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 it's enough that you did the mitzvah. It's over to, to jive to, right? Like to aim for higher and be satisfied with. So it's a great, a great question. First, I will tell you that imagery of creating like a malach without an arm or a nose always bothered me in general. I think, in my, to me at least, it's always been scarring. This notion that you're creating something that's so stymied. And I, I, again, personally, I, I don't think this goes back to something we learned in, in our first semester, right? The Rebbe of Stefanest, the Voltaire perfect is the enemy of the good. Meaning at, at, at the end of the day, it's raising a very important point, which is we're conditioned to try to do things perfectly, but yet we have a recognition that we can't really produce perfect results. So I think we have to just reframe it a little bit. There is no expectation of perfection because perfection is simply unattainable. We've learned this many, many, many times throughout our journey in Parik Shira. Perfection is unattainable. My goal is to constantly do better. So now, when I have a mitzvah in front of me, to aim for perfection is unattainable. I want to aim for great. And if I did this mitzvah yesterday, I want to do it better today than I did it yesterday. That, that's my goal. What the Rebbe is talking about is after the fact. After the fact, now I did the mitzvah, now I'm looking ultimately again at what I've done. I see in the Rebbe's words, it's malay pitzayim. It's filled, it's filled with blemishes. So what do I do with this? So the Rebbe says, it's filled with blemishes, but you still did something great. For the simple fact, don't cry over spilled milk. In other words, whatever you've done, you've done. I can't change the mitzvahs I've done. If they're blemished, they're blemished. All I could do is try to do better next time. But what the Rebbe is trying to accomplish over here is someone who has just committed a debilitating Avera, something that makes me look at myself as a negative, evil person. The only way to resist that temptation is find good. And even if the good is flawed, even if the good is highly flawed, and even if the good is blemished, blemished good is still good. Right? So, so, so good that is lacking is still good. A mitzvah is a mitzvah is a mitzvah. The Ribbon Shalom is happy as long as we expend effort. And the truth is, even if it's not maximum effort. Yes? Beautiful, beautiful, beautiful. It's certainly part of the concept of Baal Shem Tov calls it of Hashem Tzilcha, that Hashem is my shadow. That right, your shadow does whatever you do. So the way you conduct yourself towards others is ultimately the way that Baal Shem judges you. Beautiful. Also tying into here. Beautiful. And same idea. But I just want to point out, we're going to see Rabbi Nachman is going to do this. Rabbi Nachman just goes in a different order. He brings that being the Dan essentially, it's the same concept of being Dan but with Ray Rabbi Nachman starts, and it's quite fascinating. Rabbi Nachman says, condition yourself to be down the kafsachos for the other, and then you'll be able to be down the kafsachos for yourself. Which is really quite fascinating, because intuitively, I think for most of us, the progression we would normally create is first be down the kafsachos for yourself, right? And then be down the kafsachos for the other. The same way, have to Racha Kamocha presupposes you love yourself, right? As we just mentioned, if you don't love yourself, it's going to be a little bit difficult to have positive feelings towards the other. But yet, interestingly enough, Rabbi Nachman seems to feel that sometimes in life it's easier to be damakav for the other than it is 
for oneself. You know, there are different kinds of people like this. There are some people who are much harder on others than they are themselves, right? They're much more judgmental about other people. But with myself, I give myself a pass for everything. Rabbi Nachman was just the opposite. You see, most of the great Hasidic masters, most great Jewish leaders were just the opposite. Much harder on themselves and much more forgiving of the other. So Rabbi Nachman says, to be down the kaf suchus for someone else, that's easy. It's much more difficult to be down the kaf suchus on yourself. But it's the same, right? Whatever, it's, it's the same relationship. This comes relationship between the other and the self. Give other people the benefit of the doubt, Hashem will give you the benefit of the doubt. Be down the kaf suchus for the other, you'll be able to do it for yourself. Yes. Yeah, I don't know. I, I mean, I'm sure it's somewhere. Maybe it's a medrash. I, I, I don't know. I mean, it's, anything that's quoted so often has got to come from somewhere. Um, I, I'm, I'm, not familiar, I'm not familiar with the source. And, and again, I want to be clear. Conceptually, conceptually, of course, it, it, it may mean the, the, the message. I, I'm assuming it's a medrash, but I, I don't know. I, I don't think it's a gemara, but I, I could be wrong. All right, that'll be your homework. Someone will come up with it, Amir Hashem. But the, the, the message certainly is a clear one, which is the goal is to do things in a whole fashion. To me, just the challenge with things like that, with statements like that, is you always have to be careful with creating an unrealistic expectation, right? So what does that mean? The only way to create a complete malach from your ma'isah is to do a perfect mitzvah. Well, what does a perfect mitzvah mean? And who amongst us could claim they did a perfect mitzvah, right? A, a perfect mitzvah. Kavanah's right, mechanics are right. I don't know, I, I don't know that I have one perfect mitzvah in my whole lifetime. So, I don't know, I don't know. I'm gonna, I'm gonna try to track down the source. It, it, I'm gonna tell you, meaning to be right, it, it only, because it bothers me, because I think anytime you set people up with an expectation of perfection, you're setting yourself, you're setting yourself and others up for failure. But I'll, I'll try to be my ayin, yes. Yeah, the only mitzvah Hashbarah gives us is Tamim Tihiyah Im Hashem Elokecha. Tamim. Tamim means to be complete. See, people often translate Tamim as perfect, but it does not mean perfect. The one, there, there, there are many, let me say it differently. The Torah never says you don't have to be perfect, right? Because that's a dangerous thing for HaKadosh Baruch Hu to say. HaKadosh Baruch Hu gives us mitzvahs like Vedavakta Hashem Elokecha. Cling to me. Cling to me. Cling to me means try to emulate me. Try to emulate me. And even then, emulate my midos. Be complete with HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Be complete doesn't mean perfect. Nowhere, nowhere, nowhere is there ever a statement of, 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 of um, perfection. And understand, so remember again, we, this, we, lear, we learned this already by the, by the trees. In Barak Shira. There can't be any expectation of perfection because it is impossible. Remember, I just want to be clear. What makes the Ribono Shal Olam, the Ribono Shal Olam, and the reason why HaKadosh Baruch Hu is different than anything else in this world is because he's perfect. That's it. Perfection is the key divine quality. So therefore, by definition, nothing other than HaKadosh Baruch Hu could possess that. So again, I, yes? Word in Hebrew for perfection. It doesn't exist in Hebrew. Like yeah, I, want, I wonder if in modern Hebrew it exists. Well, it's yeah, perfect. It's yeah. That's I, complete. I'm saying. Yeah, I don't know. I, it doesn't come to me offhand. 
I'm sorry? Shameless means complete. Complete doesn't mean perfect. I'm only asking right? there's, a song, there's a song we have in Gushraki called The Perfect World, and it uses the word mushlam as complete, and there's no word for perfection. That's what I Right, but, but even, even mushlam, even mushlam is shalim is complete, but complete doesn't have to be perfect. Yeah, I, off offhand, I should have paid more attention to Diktok in, uh, in growing up in school. But uh, I just Googled it, and yeah. Google Translate gives it as Mushlam. Mushlam, but that's probably, but that's, but that's modern Hebrew. That's that's modern Hebrew. But Shlima's kind of makes sense because no one has written Shlima, because as soon as you read Shlima, then you're going to do Well, I, I don't know if that's true. In other words, Shlima itself is a different discussion. In other words, how do you define Shlemus? What does it mean to be Shlemus? Which again, if you want to go back to a Pasuk in Chumash, it goes back to what the definition of Tamim Tiam Hashem Alokecha. What does it mean to be Tamim? Which again, I would think that Tamim and Mushlam are synonyms. So, so uh, you know, but Mushlam, I, I don't know. I, I think that's an interesting discussion about what exactly that means. But again, answer to the question, I, yeah, I guess there's no, I don't know. I, I want to think about that as well. But off the cuff, it doesn't appear to me that there's any word in Hebrew or in Tanakh, I would say, for, for perfection. I, I, don't, I don't think so. I don't think so. So let's finish Rabbi Nachman. So Rabbi Nachman goes on. So just to complete out this piece, so, so, so Rabbi Nachman explains that again, the whole Yisod is a person has to be down the kaf for the other and also has to be down the kaf for themselves. And being down the kaf for the other means see the good in the other person. Don't judge them based on one event of sin or of one, of one misdeed, but see them in their totality. When it comes to looking at yourself, see yourself in your totality as well. And the reason why I think that this is very important is because remember, Rabbi Nachman was the one who coined the phrase, of mitzvah gidola lios b'simcha tamid. This was Rabbi Nachman's statement. So how is it possible to be mekayim that? How is a person able to fulfill mitzvah gidola lios b'simcha tamid? So perhaps Rabbi is giving us the answer over here. How do you find simcha in life? You find simcha in life by finding the good within yourself. An incredibly important yisod. Find your simcha by finding your inner good. And the reason why this is incredibly important is because simcha, we already spoke about this, simcha can't mean a smile on your face. And simcha can't mean just simply a constant clicking of your heels and being in a joyous mood. Because first of all, that type of simcha is not even always permitted. And that type of simcha isn't always appropriate. So the simcha that the Rebbe is referring to when he says mitzvah gedola, lihios b'simcha tamid, is a much more profound life simcha. And that is the simcha that comes out ultimately by finding the good inside of yourself. And we know this. We know this. We know this just from our own life experiences. When you find good and you feel good about yourself, there is a certain light, there is a certain life tranquility and a certain level of simcha that by definition accompanies that feeling. So we've got simcha. So again, we have, of course, there's the general answers to simcha. How do you find simcha in life? Torah, ruchnius, chesed, of course, those are all true. But I think if we're looking to kind of, you know, drill into that a little bit, the Rebbe says, when you feel good about yourself, and you know that you're living a purposeful life, and you could find mitzvot inside of yourself, and yes, plenty of averos as well, but I find good, that's where simcha comes from. One last piece in this, in this particular section. And, and I'll preface this by saying something very important, which is that in the world of simcha, there are really two different words. There's simcha 
and there's holobos. I'll give you a good example. If you see someone at a chasana, right? You see someone at a chasana, and they are dancing with all of their heart and soul. In mamish, pushing themselves into the middle of the circle every single time. In mamish, schwitzing. And de- so, is that simcha? I'm sorry? Okay, you could be missing a chasana kava, good. I'm sorry? It's not. Why not? Oh. Right. What does it depend on? So I'll give you, I'll just frame it for you in these two ways. If the person spent two hours at the bar at the chasana, and now is a bit labadig and inebriated, and that's why, right, that's one thing. Versus a person, maybe it's their good friend who's getting married, or maybe it's someone who waited a long time to get married, or maybe this is a person who just feels the simchas of others like it's their own. So it's interesting to notice as follows. If the person drank too much, and therefore the life of the party, that's not called simcha. That's what's called hololos. Hololos means frivolity. Frivolity. Now, interestingly enough, sometimes simcha and frivolity could look the same way. They can manifest in the same way. And the only way to know, ultimately, again, is to delve down a little bit into it, to see, you know, to kind of watch the video. What was that person doing that evening before they were the life of the party? So I'm just pointing out something very interesting, that simcha and hololos can manifest themselves the same way, yet they emanate from two different points of origin. So the person who's now the life of the party because he or she drank too much, that's hololos. That's not simcha. But the person ultimately, again, who's motivated out of a, a sincere desire, something holy, to be misameach chasen v'kala, so happy to be at a simcha, so happy that Jews are celebrating, then ultimately, again, that's simcha. Now, let me, let's drill down on this a little bit further. The fundamental distinction between simcha and holos also is, are you running to life or away from life? Sometimes people think that simcha is accomplished when you are able to run away from reality. And that's why you see people often associate the greatest amount of simcha with things like vacations, or again, much more outside of our world with drinking and alcohol, drug use. Why do people associate simcha? Because they're an escape. Reality is so difficult. Reality is so overwhelming, right? I need something to allow me to escape from this reality. So again, if it's the vacation, I want to be clear, vacations are great, but not when your whole life becomes focused on what that vacation is going to be. That's an escape. Hololos means I'm looking to escape from my reality because I think, I think joy or happiness in life is only found through escapism. Simcha, simcha could mean the ability to find the joy in everyday life. So I want to share with you something that I think is so beautiful. If you look at number seven, this is a poem from a book titled Memo to Self. This book was written by a woman. Her name was Sarah Rosenblatt. Sarah Rosenblatt, she passed away a couple of years ago, started out as Rena Lewis from Washington, D.C., she became a Balas Chuva while attending University of Maryland. She subsequently went on to marry a, a Breslover Chassan and raised her family in Mea Sha'arin. So she was an incredible writer. 
an incredible. I think she was also like on the editorial staff, maybe for Ami magazine. She was she was very active in, in many of the of the Jewish publications. So she wrote a book of poetry that was compiled. The book of poetry was titled Memo to Self. Memo to Self. And she wrote this poem that I thought is so, you could Google her. I, I, I think that her book, I think you could purchase the book of poetry, but I think most of them are available online. They're so beautiful. They're so beautiful. And they're beautiful in their simplicity. So look what she writes over here. Thanks for this day. Thanks for this day in which nothing out of the ordinary happened at all. Shlaimi couldn't find his sandal. Adi couldn't find her math book. My baby kissed me. I made hot dogs and french fries for lunch. The kids did homework, played a game of cutting and pasting, filled the floor with scraps. Some neighbor's kids were helping. They sang a silly song. Fagy made egg salad sandwiches and they went to the park. Meanwhile, I got some ironing done. A breeze blew in. Birds sang. The sky was blue. The clouds were white. And oh, I knew that nothing I could ever do or say or write would ever be enough to thank you for one's second's sweetness of this ordinary day. Such a beautiful, I'm very moved by this poem because I think what what Saroz Matzikona is capturing over here is what true simcha is. See, simcha is not the hololos of escaping from your reality, but simcha is the ability to find the meaning in your reality. It's the ability to just find the beautiful things that occur in everyday life. You know what our problem is sometimes? We become a little bit high maintenance. And so we think that simcha only comes about as a result of like dramatic things, dramatic things. So I'll be happy when, and again, you could fill in the blank. I'll be happy when I get married. I'll be happy when I have a house. I'll be happy when I have a baby. I'll be happy when I have a career. People have different ways of filling that in. And meanwhile, I I think what this poem is teaching us and the profundity of it, the simplicity of it, is that you want to know where simcha comes from? Simcha comes from finding the beauty in everyday life. In everyday life. And if you open your eyes enough, no matter what is happening in your life, and most of us have challenges in our everyday lives, and the challenges don't go away, the challenges are there, but there's the ability to find something beautiful, and not just one thing, many beautiful things in everyday life. That's where simcha comes from. So I think if we bring this together, what comes out is as follows. So the Naharos are telling us, the Naharos, right, the rivers are besimcha. They're all happy. They're all joyous. So whether it's the rivers that are happy, or it's, or it's ultimately, again, the, the people who are traveling on the rivers, the rivers are happy. Now remember, again, as we pointed out, the rivers, Hanaros yimcha'ukaf. Yimcha'ukaf means what? What tense is that? Future. So here's perhaps the message of the Naharos. The Naharos are telling us, the Naharos are telling us, we will be happy. We will be happy. When will the rivers celebrate? The rivers will celebrate when Mashiach comes. But perhaps the embedded message of the rivers is they're telling us, don't be like us. You people, don't be like us, the rivers. We'll be happy when, right? We'll be happy in the future. We'll be happy when Mashiach comes. But you human beings, you need to find simcha now. You need to find a real, a true sense of simcha now in life. How do you human beings find that simcha in life? So two approaches. And I want to point out, there are many more approaches, I'm sure. Right? Finding simcha is something that is, a, is an incredible challenge and every person finds it different ways. I'm just suggesting two approaches. Approach number one, Rabbi Nachman. And Rabbi Nachman teaches us the way to find simcha in life is find good within 
yourself. Remind yourself that you are good. And remind yourself that even if you've messed up really badly in life, you are not down and out. You're not shivrei kalim, right? You're not, you're not broken and down forever. Find something good within yourself. And once you find that good within yourself, you will recognize that you have value. You have worth. And that'll give you the chizik to, yes, address your averus and address your shortcomings and rebuild that which is broken. But simcha comes from finding the good you possess. That's Rabbi Nachman. And so Rosenblatt, Zichron of the Bracha, teaches us that simcha comes from just finding the beauty in everyday life. You know, we are often so busy, so busy in everything we're doing that we never really, you know, it's supposed to be, I think, like 65 degrees today, right? So I'm not going to tell you to take out time to work on your tan, you know, but take out a few moments. And when you walk outside, close your eyes and just look up at the sun. I mean, close your eyes and look up, right? And just feel, just feel the warmth. And say, Rebona Olam, thank you. It's beautiful. It's beautiful. And that's just one thing. That's just one thing. In any given day, there are so many beautiful things that we miss out on. And all we have to do is kind of just slow things down a little bit to take in all the beautiful brachas of everyday life. And if we have that, then we have simcha. So the naros, they will be happy. But our job is to find happiness in the present. All right, we'll stop over here for today. I think it's Monday. Is Monday our last class before Pesach? I think so. I think on Monday, Mirat Hashem, we'll focus a little bit on Pesach as well. Thank you. Of course, have a good day, everyone. So definitely, she thought it was whole of us. She thought it was whole. She's like, what, 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 what are you doing? But for him, it was pure simcha, right? And that's why she dealt with so severe. Your repercussions of that are so severe because it was it was pure simcha. She didn't understand. Also, remember, she never saw it before. You know, you can only, like, if you imagine, if you go to a chasana for the first time and you see someone doing crazy stuff and you've never seen that before, you would think, what's wrong with that person? She had never seen it. But yes, she thought it was hololos, but it was cynical. Well, yes, tell me your name. Um, I'll play. And then Roll also, I, I think she forgot to say, but she also walked in with me. I have Roll here. Yep. Thank you. Maybe Edelstein. Okay, maybe, yes. Oh, okay, great. And Aura. Yes, Aura, good morning. Great to have you. Good morning. Thank you so much. Of course. Have a good day. Good morning. Great. Good morning. My pleasure. Good morning. Of course. Good morning. Good morning. Yes, go right ahead. Sorry, I'm just. Don't worry. Yeah, come on.